I get it started You are now tuned in to my parents' office yeah, With Brett Castle and Andrew Diaz New new dropping, yeah, you know where I'll be at Believe that, New England flow in your speakers Tryna run game, lace heat like sneakers In a flashlight, lightning bugs I pop up at your spot and I'm lighting up, yeah JR on a mic and I'm next to blow No commercials, I turn it to an episode Better get down to business, begin the show So let me get going, welcome to MPO What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the My Parents Office Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Diaz. Today we got episode 139, uh, my interview with host of Irish on Tap, Huskies on Tap, and Bears on Tap, Brandon Suarez. So make sure you stick around for that. Awesome talking to a guy that loves Notre Dame football as much as I do. Um, and his knowledge was about the sport, um, you know, that that I like to – a guy I really like to talk to. So – uh, Suarez was great on here. Um, definitely a guy I want to have back on when the season, uh, you know, comes up, comes back around. But before we get into that interview, make sure you're following us on all our socials at my parents' office on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. My parents' office podcast on Facebook, and articles from the office on Substack, along with our uh, student union sports, where I have been writing. I write three times a week for them, so make sure you're checking out those articles as well. Um, you know, not much on my end, really. So I'm just going to kind of throw it right over to the Brandon Suarez interview. So hope you guys enjoy. And uh, thank you. What's going on, guys? Uh, welcome back to the My Parents Office podcast. I am your host, Andrew Diaz. Today, we've got Brandon Suarez, host of Irish on Tap, Bears on Tap, and Huskies on Tap, joining the show to talk about a uh, little NFL and then, of course, Notre Dame football. Brandon, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Any opportunity that I have to get on and talk about football, when we like we talk about we're not in football season, um, I jump at that opportunity and uh, see some interesting stuff in camp and just with the draft and free agency this year. So it's been a fun time. And, and another thing, too, uh, CJ, Carr, CJ Carr over there to Notre Dame. Yeah. So Lloyd Carr's grandson, you, you steal him right under Mich from Michigan. So there's a lot going on in the football world, but it's just a lot more behind the scenes right now. And then, too, about a month or two away from the actual camp starting and the pads start popping. Yeah, it's definitely a bummer. It's like you said before, it's the deadest time for football that there is right now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that, that's the main sport that I follow. I'm assuming it's probably yours, too. Where oh, yeah. like that, once football season rolls around, that consumes just about every uh, every free minute and every minute you really can get. Uh, is reading about football, watching it. Um, I'm just Fan, to yeah, fantasy, fantasy football. Yep. We're trying to figure out uh, the way too early mock drafts for the next season, the yep. college football playoff, all going on at once. And it's like, God, it's it's organized chaos, but I love it. It's the best time of the year. You you simply cannot compete with the college football Saturday. And I'm, you're in college right now too, so I'm assuming you got your Saturdays and Sundays. Nice and nice and free. Do some homework. You hang out with your guys. You you know you watch the games, drink some beers, and there's nothing there's nothing more you could ask for to be honest. Yeah, I, I actually so I play football. I played at a Division three school uh, right, right in Massachusetts, uh, Mass Maritime. So you know what it, position? It uh, center. I did not know that, dude. Let's go. Yeah, it's a, you know being able to play four more years is definitely a cool thing to do. Um, but you know, it yeah. is a bummer when Notre Dame has a, a noon game and we kick off all our games pretty much on uh, noon on Saturday. So, you know, I do, I missed a handful of games this past season, yeah. Notre Dame games, but then having uh, a podcast on the reverse end, it's tough. Cause you're like, shit, now I gotta, 
I'm sorry, I didn't mean to swear. I got to go back go. and uh, I got to go watch the replay before I can record the recap, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it's like playing a lot of catch up. But uh, usually, usually you get like some nice weekends where there's no real big games at noon. You can't, you get lucky with like a four, couple big 430s and yeah. a bunch of big uh, primetime games, which is nice. But yeah. Got it, some big games this year. Uh, I'm ex- so I, I want to talk about CJ Carr definitely, but you mentioned the big games this year. Notre Dame opens with Ohio State. Um, and, and they really do have, I think, a very tough schedule. They scheduled uh, Ohio State at Ohio State. They're playing Clemson. Um, they've got a, a, you know, Navy's always a tough team to play against. Yes. BYU is a tough team. And Boston College. They have a, a handful of really tough opponents this the year. Phil, the Phil Jerkovic revenge game. And, and from everything that I've seen in the way too early speculation for next year's draft, they're really high on him because of his frame and his size. And then obviously he could sling yeah. a rock too, so. Yeah, he, he, he's, uh, he'll be definitely tough to play against. But, I mean, C.J. Stroud at Ohio State, that opening game will be very tough because Stroud was – I mean, the, the, there was an argument to be made that he should have won the Heisman this year just – Yeah. And the receivers he had, thank God he doesn't have them this year going into the matchup with Garrett Wilson and Alave both getting drafted in the first round. Yeah. Um, well, Still how, got how, Smith and Jigba, though. That guy's beast. Yeah. He went off in the Rose Bowl. And, and it is crazy how productive all three of those guys were Usually when a team has that many good receivers, some kind of get left in the dust. Yeah. Don't really get as many touches, but Stroud really gets the ball around. Even a guy like Jeremy Ruckert had a pretty good season. Yeah, tight end. He's like yeah. the fourth option. Which and I think he went to the uh, he went to the Saints, right? Jets drafted him. Jets or the Jets, okay. Yeah, the Jets. Third round. Um, Jets are doing some nice things over there with what they've been adding to the team. I'm, I'm not going to get ahead yeah. of myself because it is the New York Jets, but I, I did like what they did in the draft. That's what I always kind of think. Like, the Jets are the Jets. Like, I, I love, like, some of the – like, they picked up uh, one of my favorite players, Lincoln Tomlinson, this offseason. Really good offensive guard, but I, I'm kind of bummed because now I'm he's probably never going to hear about him again uh, yeah. just because he he's a New York Jet now. But how, so, how, how do you feel – oh, what you decide? I was going to say I want to ask you something real quick. So, I see the Celtics in the background. Yep. I don't know – I don't know anyone that roots for any of the Boston teams that doesn't root for all of them. So, are you a Patriots guy? I am not. So I'm a Vikings oh. fan because growing up, Adrian Peterson was my all-time, like, growing up, like, that's the guy that him and Jared Allen were the two guys okay. that, like, got me into football. And, you know, I, I followed Peterson around, but I never, like, I always say, like, with LeBron fans, LeBron fans become fans of the team he's on. Yeah. AP wasn't like that. Like, he was with the Vikings, so I just got Some good years, too, with the Vikings, you know? Like, they were good teams. Like, it wasn't just, like, him just running the mock, like, yeah. and not winning games. They were good teams. And as a Bears fan, uh, we were on the receiving end of many of those good games. So, yeah. he usually had his way with us. He, he was just so, like, th- that, those were the two jerseys. The first jerseys I ever owned was uh, I had a, a white Jared Allen one and a purple Peterson one. And – you know, I, I wore those religiously. So, like, yeah. grow, like growing up, I, I don't know really how I kind of became fans of them, but it just fell that way. And, you know, I, I've endured a lot of pain with them. <laughs> I've endured a handful of, you know, the 3-13 and 13 season, and then you go and you draft uh, Matt Khalil with the third overall pick, who doesn't really yeah. do anything for you. So going through a lot of that, and I try to stay very optimistic going into the years, and it, it, it just – Year after year, somebody gets hurt. Like last year, Daniil Hunter was the big one yeah. getting injured. And, and Dalvin, too. Dalvin got hurt down the stretch. I, I just want him to stay. I want both of them just to stay healthy, not even just for, like, winning. I just love those guys as yeah. players. I Lunch just want them to have good careers. 
So I said on I said on my Bears podcast on Bears on tap. I honestly, and I told our our YouTube guy to clip it. I said the Vikings are going to win the division this year. I don't know why I think it, but I I just think like the Packers regress. Obviously, they're going to regress. They lose, you know, their number one receiver, arguably the best receiver in the NFL, and you replace him with a guy that can only run in a straight line. In Christian Watson, he's already getting lapped in practice by a guy that was drafted like three rounds behind him in Romeo Dubes. And like a Sammy Watkins that's half in his NFL casket. Like, what are you really going to get from Sammy Watkins at this point? And then obviously, you know, you have Lazard, who I do like, but what is Lazard going to look like in a role that is, you know, a number one guy? Who knows? Right. And you're going to have to take on pretty good corners in the, in, not even just in games you're going to play, but just in the NFC North. Yeah. We got some good corners. Against Jalen Johnson. Akuda's kind of he he's been progressing good, so he has to go against those guys now, and then outside of division too. Like, how is that going to really work out for him in that yeah. number one role? And they lose, uh, they lost what's his name, uh, uh, Scatling too, what signed yeah. with the Chiefs. So you lose two of your top options, and then you don't really know the health of Bakhtiari either with coming yeah. off a of torn ACL. Who, who again, when healthy, is probably the best offensive tackle or second best in the NFL. And you lose to Darius Smith. The Vikings take him right out. Well, I like that move by the Vikings too, because he was a dog in the middle of that defense. He was only he was the only force in the middle of that defense, to be honest. Yeah, it, 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 him and like it, it's tough to like build a defense around like a nose guard because Kenny Clark's really really good, but yeah, you can't count on a nose guard to to lead you in sacks or. Uh, or earn tackles. Maybe he's a he's out. a setup guy. He's like he's mm-hmm. like an assist guy. He's like Steve Nash. He's like yes. he's not going to always show up on the scoreboard of the stat sheet, but him clogging the middle of the of the lanes is always going to help out with your linebackers. Yeah, that, that's a, a a great. I, I've never thought of it like that. I, I, I like that a lot. That uh, assist know. guy right there. That's a that's a good one. I wish they could give you like a an assist, but I guess they have like the half tackles for that. But you got to get an yeah. arm on someone. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, got guys like uh, Vita Vey. They're not going to show up on the statue, but they're making uh, big, big plays for other guys to make big plays. Exactly. Yeah, and in the middle of that defense too, they just added Akeem Hicks. Tampa's going to be tough this year. It's crazy. They, they, I thought he was going to sign with like Jacksonville and get like a big money deal, or maybe yeah. a big money for like a two-year, maybe like twenty million dollar deal, something in that range. But um, you know, signing with Tampa clearly at this point in his career he wants to win now yeah he he deserves it man he he endured some some terrible years with the bears and he honestly always kept a a straight face and a smile and he was always good with the fans like i I remember i actually met him at uh training camp one of the years and he's like the nicest guy ever a lot of times when you meet like uh they say you don't want to meet your heroes you know Mm -hmm. sometimes they're nice sometimes they're not so nice but it's like you don't know until you actually meet him. And like Akeem Hicks, like that was one of the like, I guess you say most memorable like interactions I've had mm-hmm. with like a, a pro athlete. He's a really good guy. So I'll never have anything bad to say about him. But I, I just I, I don't know if they'll get it done. But I do think they'll at least get to the NFC Championship game. I think there's no reason why not. He uh, in like I think it was it was either a Thursday or a Monday night, or maybe a Sunday night football game when the Vikings played the Bears. Hicks had one of like the best games from any D lineman I'd ever witnessed. Oh, yeah. I think it was last season. Just at like was and the Vikings O line is just so bad, so that amplified it too. But Hicks was just dominating every guard and center that the Vikings put in front of him. Was just yeah. throwing him around. Had a couple TFLs. 
and was just all over the field for being an interior guy. It was crazy to watch. Just so, so tough to watch as a Vikings fan, watching a guy like this make all these. Yeah. And he just like, he's just tough as shit. Like I just, I Chicago, if if you've ever been to Chicago, Mm -hmm. there's like a special appreciation for like that hard nosed guys. Like, like you see how much bulls fans love Alex Caruso Mm -hmm. for the bulls. Like he's not going to go out there and score 25 points a night for you, but he's going to play some hard defense. He's going to set his teammates up and he's going to keep those feet moving. So it's like, he's, he's always running to play on offense. He may not, you know, be nailing the shot, but you know, he's always requiring attention when he's out there on the court. Yeah. Now, now uh, I kind of want to, before we get into more bear stuff, I do want to ask, you said Hicks was one of the nicest guys you met. Maybe you don't want to say it if a guy's still playing on the team, who was like the, like the, the meanest asshole that you met, like in your time, uh, uh kind of covering Chicago sports or even covering college uh, sports, too. That's a tough question. That's a really, actually, a really good question. I would say, hmm, it wouldn't necessarily be someone, uh, from the Bears because I haven't met too many of the Bears players, mm-hmm. Bulls players. I, I met Scotty Pippen. And a lot of people have said that he's an asshole, but he was like, I was a kid at the time. So it wasn't like, get on my face, man. Like, yeah, it, it was just like, you know, he shook my hand. I think he signed a basketball for me, but who would have to be the mean? Oh, I'm not going to say he's mean, but I'm just angry at him because he won't come on my podcast. And he's like friends with my dad. Mm-hmm. This is not mean. He's a good guy. I have a beer with him every now and then, but Marcus Robinson played for really? the Bears. Yeah, he used to play for the Vikings too. Yeah. Um, he actually like lives in the town like next to where I grew up in. And like every time I see him, I'm like, yeah, like we basically like, you know, the art of having a podcast. You gotta ask guests and stuff like that. And like I'll always be out with my dad when it happens. And my dad will be like, Why don't, why don't you just go on his podcast? Take 20, 30 minutes, go talk football. Yeah. But uh yeah, like he he's uh he's not an asshole. He just just, just won't come on the pod. He just won't come on my podcast, so I will be <laughs> I will be mad at him for the sake of this exercise. But yeah, other than that, I don't think uh, there's been too many like bad interactions that I've had because most of them were like when I was a kid. So, and then other than that, it's like when you look at college, it's like I'm 28 now, so it's you know I cover NIU, I cover Notre Dame. Hmm. It's I guess it's weird now because it's like the first time in my life that I'm like older than them because like you know you remember growing up watching like Brady Quinn and like Jeff Samarja hmm. and, and all these guys that we you know Stefan Tuits of the world and Lewis Nixes of the world, and uh, yeah now I'm like older than them, so I feel like a grandpa. It's it's a little yeah. bit I'm not like old old, but it's it feels different, but. Uh, as someone who didn't go to Notre Dame and and get, gets a little bit of flack for like being like, well, you didn't go to Notre Dame, so why you root for him? So I, I honestly think the biggest fans of Notre Dame are people that don't attend, like didn't go to Notre Dame, which is yeah. probably the oddest. But I, I the, the fan base is arguably one of the most hated in America, like up with Dallas Cowboys fans and really any Philadelphia fans. People love to hate Notre Dame and they love to hate the Notre Dame fan base, which is even worse because, um, you know, the whole argument about joining a conference and then the year Notre Dame gets put in a conference, they make the conference championship. So it's like, like, what more can you ask of us? And and we beat, you had to figure we were going to get shit pumped that game because we beat them already and they didn't have Lawrence. And it was of all the games that I've watched in my 
in my illustrious Notre Dame fan career, like that was the most memorable. And like, I actually cried after that game. Cause I'm like, oh, what an awesome, I'm game. like, I'm like, is this the year? And it obviously wasn't, but mm. I think that year is, is right around the corner. And I'm a huge, huge fan of Marcus Freeman and what he's doing on campus. Oh. I'm, I'm super pumped about the Freeman era, but I, I'd say that game and the game where Notre Dame played Florida State and had the offensive pass interference call. Corey Robinson. To pretty, much, to pretty much end the game, those I'd have to say are the two most memorable. I was in my living room watching them with my dad. We had people over the house. I remember both of those games like very vividly too. So it, it's those yeah. two will always stick with me. Um, yeah, and I was going to say, being a Notre Dame fan, so you're in, you're in, uh, you said you're in Maryland. Where'd you grow up? Connecticut, you, Connecticut. Or Connecticut, Connecticut. My bad. So is there a lot of ND fans out that way? Um, yeah, it, it's a bit of I a know mix. they ain't rooting for UConn. No, it, <laughs> and like, oh my, the, the UConn, I kind of grew up when the like get I got into football when UConn was on the tail end of them being good, like making it yeah. festival. And then ever since then, when I started following football more and more, it's been just this absolute downfall of yeah i mean it's bad it's terrible it, it like honestly it makes me very sad watching it because you know like the whole way randy edsel handled his departure pretty yeah. much that he took the didn't take the team plane home flew right from the fiesta bowl to maryland yeah. called it his dream job got shit stomped when he was at maryland and pretty much let, left them with yeah um, pascaloni and diaco who uh, pascaloni was in a tough spot but Diaco was just such a terrible coach. It was like yeah. fake rah-rah that he had. And then they bring Edsel back, which was the worst part of it, um, bringing him back for two years and uh, get your one win coming into like URI and then like Holy Cross. Or no, they lost to Holy Cross yeah. so this past year. So, yeah, it was just – it's been so, a brutal year, a brutal few years as a UConn because I'm going to always root – You got basketball. Too. You got basketball, though. You, you uh, never forget basketball. You got women's basketball, too, because they are always good. <laughs> and the March Madness this year was was watching that New Mexico State. Oh. I think it was New Mexico State. I placed a wager on UConn on that game, and I did not win my bet. <laughs> it wasn't great that I had UConn going. I think the Elite Eight too. So like, I think day, I had him far in my bracket. Yeah, day one bracket done. Right, just bracket absolutely like shattered. I had them, and I think I had like Kentucky who lost early on. St. Too. Peter's, yeah. So on the topic of sports, there's there's an argument to be made that the first like two days of March madness is even if you don't like college basketball, just having like wire to wire, like important, meaningful games like that, where it's a one-off elimination. It's just like, as a sports fan, you always love when that happens. Yeah. I'd say like, I go that first few days because with March madness, it starts at, I think two o'clock the games, so, like, I was in class the first day that it started, and you look at everybody's laptop, and yeah. it's got, like, I think it was the South Dakota State-Providence game. Everybody's got it on, on the CBS app, yeah. on their laptop. So, like, that starting is th- – those two days are great because there's games from, like, 2 o'clock until pretty much midnight. Yeah, um, yeah and, like, that's what I love about college football, too, where it's like – I'll dabble in a little Hawaii football when I'm laying in bed at night oh. and I don't want to watch a movie or something. I'm like, I'll watch some, some Hawaii football at the end of the night. Pac-12 or Mountain West after dark is the, the absolute greatest. And the Mountain that. West is actually a really good conference. I, I like what the Mountain West has done uh, the last few years. And I think uh, I saw on, on Twitter, someone put a bet on Utah State to win uh, 
the national. I don't think that will happen. The national championship. <laughs> I think that was just a donation. But yeah. I think uh, Utah State is is probably gonna it'd be you between Utah and Fresno because Hayner at Fresno is beast. Yeah. But one thing I, I think is really important to touch on and, and to kind of segue it back to Notre Dame. Mm. With the Freeman era, so like college football coaches by nature, most of them, I don't say all of them, but most of them are snake oil salesmen. Okay, we saw it in its fullest effect this year with the Lane Kiffin to USC, and he takes his quarterback with him, and it truly became the wild, wild west. You got Ryan Day talking about how he needs $13 million to keep his roster intact. And as a Notre Dame fan, I just sit back and look and like, I remember I went to the North Carolina game and this was, this was before Brian Kelly did what he did and, and tarnished his legacy forever at Notre Dame, which should not, yeah, should not go without Like we, we need to touch on that too. I I was beside myself that day. My dad disgusted. Like, Oh my God. That day he saw, it wasn't the way he left. It was when he saw the video of him at the basketball game, my dad was like, this fucking guy, this, this like he was the Southern accent. And then to oh. like the recruiting videos, but the thing that, and I guess I can, I can thank my coach here at NIU for, for this coach hammock, because like the guy is the man, like he is the man here. He was a player that Marcus Freeman, also a player, mm-hmm. but the way that I saw like NIU transform from a terrible situation when, when, uh, it's like they're gonna they're gonna kill him. They're gonna fry me for not knowing his name. I forgot what his name was. Whatever the guy's name was that left for Temple before it wasn't Dave Dorn because he's at North Carolina State. He was gone before it. Left NIU for Temple. For Temple, yeah. I gotta look it up now. They're gonna fry me for it, but I'm just gonna type in on Google Temple Fires football <laughs> coach. Uh, Rod Carey. Yeah, that's terrible because okay. a lot of my friends got recruited by him too. When Rod Carey left, NIU went into like a very like transitional stage. And you talked about it with Randy Edsel when he left UConn. When a head coach leaves a college program, it is doomsday. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of these guys got recruited by that guy. And now it's easier for them to leave and go play for a new head coach. But the thing that I always look back at when I look at the Brian Kelly time at Notre Dame was, did anybody actually even like this guy? And I'm not talking about the fans. I'm talking about the players, okay? Because college football, you are are getting children or teenagers, wherever you will, and, and you're in – you know it right now because you're playing college yeah. football. You showed up on campus as an 18-year-old who just left high school, okay? I don't know how old you are now. You're probably like 20, 21, 22. Yeah, 20. To where it's like you are growing physically, mentally as a man – as a college football player, you may not play in the NFL and that's great, but having the ability to have four more years of organized college football is, is only going to help you in the long run when you go to whatever career you're going to go to. And I think like when you sit back and look, I think some of the the more recent guys like the Ian books and the chase Claypools and those guys, they all showed love to Brian Kelly when he left. And I know Sean Crawford was interviewing him for his podcast uh, and, and went down to uh, LSU to, to see him. You're always going to get those guys that love Brian Kelly. Mm-hmm. But I think, like, that love for Marcus Freeman is through the roof. Yeah, and when I to, – to, to reel it back, because I got ADHD like crazy. When I was at the North Carolina game, when he was just the coordinator, 
Yep. He was dancing and, and having fun in the time of his life. And the way they respect him and the way they reacted when he became the head coach, because as a Notre Dame fan, you, you may have been in the spaces, uh, the Microsoft spaces on, on Doomsday, where it was like Ian Book, a bunch of reporters. Uh, like there was so many players in there. Chase Claypool was in there. Cole Komet was in there. Yep. It was just like anybody who – who loves Notre Dame football that was awake at this wee hour of the night was in there and talking about it. And it was like the idea that Freeman might be the guy came up and like, it, not at, not at first was everyone warm and, and fuzzy to it, but <laughs> as time has progressed and I know we only have one game to go off of and we blew a, a big lead and it was a terrible meltdown. I really just like what the guy brings to the table and, and you see with the number one recruiting class, the players, which is the, the players are the program. A lot of people yeah. forget about that. Okay. Notre Dame, the brand is great. It's awesome to have fans all over the world. It's awesome to have brand recognition and it's awesome to have a whole bunch of haters, but at the end of the day, the bus does not leave the station without the players. And if you don't have a coach that can recruit the, the Jimmy's and Joe's, the X's and O's are not going to matter. So, yeah. And I, and I feel like with Freeman, it, it's almost, while Freeman is the head coach, I feel like it's almost like a co-head coach type of thing where if you lose – losing Tommy Reese would have hurt equally as much as losing Kelly because, you know, Reese seems like a guy that the players also gravitate around, which you love to see. But, yeah, Freeman being that – when you when you promote a guy in-house, it almost feels like initially like you're settling – like there isn't yeah. a, a ton of options. Well, it's, but, it's Notre Dame at the end of the yeah. job. At the end of the day, regardless of your opinion on Notre Dame, is that's a very highly coveted job. And, and I always say this: you'll see this on the timeline a lot throughout the season. If it's bad to be Notre Dame, right? Mm-hmm. It's got to be terrible to be anybody else yeah. because even in my lifetime, yeah, like they haven't won anything of note. But you look at the the NFL pipeline. Every single year, there are more than five guys that get picked up by an NFL team, whether it's the UDFA or the draft. You look at the 10 win seasons and and specifically that class of 2016 is the class that I always look back at and say this was one of the best classes that we've had in recent Notre Dame memory. And I I hope to look back at 23 and 24 and and think that same thing. But like they're going to be competitive this year, man. And and if they could beat Ohio State. Oh, that would be. That would, that would be anything can happen. Year. Anything can be- happen. And, and two, it's week one, man. Okay. Yeah. Week one as a football player, you know, this is the most vulnerable time for an upset. We right now, I think they're two touchdown underdogs. I don't, I don't feed into that too much. Like it's, it's going to be wild next year with, you know, you go from two upperclassmen quarterbacks, you go mm-hmm. from a guy in Ian book that showed up as the six stringer that ends up, you know, being a Notre Dame legend and leaving yeah. with better numbers than Joe Montana. And then you get a guy in Jack Cohn, who we really didn't know what we were going to get from Wisconsin. I thought we were going to get a lot of uh, the ball going in Kyron Williams' gut, which we did, and Chris Tyree as well, and they both did a phenomenal job. But I think Jack Cohen did a, did a above-average job, and I think, like, he exceeded expectations of what Notre Dame fans had for him going into last season. Oh, I, personally, I personally would like to see – the progression of Tyler Buchner, or Tyler Buckner, I'm sorry, Tyler Buckner this year. Mm-hmm. And if it's, if it's Drew Pine instead of Tyler, then it, it is what it is. Yeah. But I, 
from what I've seen from Drew over the last few years, I just don't think he's like that transcendent level of talent that Buckner is. Mm-hmm. And I think like, if you look at college football over the last five, 10 years, you know, you look at like a guy like Trevor Lawrence, when he burst on the scene, these guys are coming to college football more and more ready as we've seen. And we saw uh, the, the spot snaps that he was getting mostly in run fits, mostly in, in QB draw or, or option situations. But if, if he can, you know, develop a rapport with the receivers they're bringing back quite a few veterans in the receiver room, I don't see why not, man. Like why not us? Yeah. And you know, I'm, I'm always, I'm going to be a little biased towards Drew Pine. I'd love to see him play because he's a Connecticut guy. You know, I followed him all throughout his high school career. And, but it, it, honestly, I just want, a guy that's going to come in and, and be like that Ian book where he's just a gutsy player and wants oh, yeah. to win like that. You like, always want that foremost, in your quarterback. He wants to win. And that's how book was book, put his body on the line in a lot of tough games, a lot of close games. And you know, that's really what you wanted out of a quarterback. Like there's nothing more you could have asked for out of Ian book, which was um, like just awesome to see. Awesome. To I was going to say it's always exciting. I almost wish I like I was like a kid when Ian Book was playing because I definitely would have looked up to him. But now I'm like older than him, so I'm yeah. just, but you know what I'm saying? Like right. like that type of respect. I got a lot of respect for uh, for Wu for Jeremiah Wosukoromoa, especially too. Like, dude, I was so pissed on draft day. Like, I didn't know what happened, and then like obviously it was like a heart condition or so, like heart murmur or something. But <laughs> check this, check the stat sheet, check the scoreboard. Unreal. Who finished? It? Yeah who finished at the top of all their categories in their rookie season after dropping in the draft. And obviously Micah Parsons is, is a very talented linebacker and was always yeah. going to be the first one to come off the board. But like, I, I'm very excited to see where that Browns defense goes. Cause it's a lot of stuff going on in Cleveland, but one thing I know they can count on is that defense coming to play yeah. week in and week out. Owusa Cormo was just so he was like the most exciting player to watch on that defense too. Like with yeah. him and Hamilton what in college with him and Hamilton, you always made sure you knew where they were. And like, there were just plays Owusa Cormo would make that you were just baffled by. And I, I was even more surprised when he just probably as surprised as you, when he slipped on draft day, I was, yeah, I was, I was devastated for him. Cause first, like first off like mad. And then I was just shocked. I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Like for Notre Dame fans watching him, Every single game, you know the type of player he is. Yeah. And for that heart condition to make him drop to the second round, you know, it's great that he showed that he's a, a very good NFL level linebacker, but you just wish he got his name called on day one. So one thing that I want to see this season, so we've seen him in a, a complimentary role and a special teams role with like a little bit of snaps on the defensive side, but you know, with, with Drew White graduating and going on to the NFL. I don't see why it can't be Bo Bauer season, man. Like you talk about that energy. You talk about a guy that brings it every single play. I mean, when he had his, so when he had his pick six against Wisconsin last year, I was like, I was up in the press box at the NIU game. And like the number one rule in the press box is to not cheer. I'm just like, I'm like fist pumping underneath the table. Like, let's go, dude, let's go. But I really, I really think like Bo Bauer, uh, more Manti Teo than Jalen Smith, right? Like more of, and I'm sure Bo Bauer has a very nice looking real girlfriend, but (laughs) Bo Bauer, Bo Bauer is not going to be like that, 
that attractive like NFL prospect, but he gives off like that college linebacker, you know, like the necro linebacker right. in the eighties, like the Brian Bosworth of the world. I really could see a big season out of him. Um, on the defensive side too, I think in the Adam Alola brothers, you have two of the best defensive linemen in the entire right. nation. And you, there's twi- they're twins. There's more than one of them. So I yeah. think you're, you're winning anytime you got those two guys on the line. And then too, someone that we've seen make an impact uh, on the line from the very moment they stepped on the field is Isaiah Foskey. And I think that it goes without being said, he will be the next, it'll be one of the next defensive ends to come out of Notre Dame. Obviously both the Adam Alola brothers will come out one plays on the inside and one plays on the out. But like defensively, I think, you know, Tariq Bracey on the back end, you got some Joseph young transferring in who, who transferred in. Brandon oh yeah. Like the first Northwestern transfer worked out in Skoranek. Like, oh my God. I love Benny. Benny's I, the best. I met <laughs> Benny. Actually, I met Benny at, uh, he came to our first official tailgate for on tap sports night. Just oh, little. really? Yeah. Uh, so he was at Northwestern at the time. Yeah. And my brother's a Northwestern fan and my brother knew him and mm. invited him. And uh, this was probably just a few months after we went up to Ryan field and beat them. So, you know, I was, I was, was chatting the shit, but uh, yeah, Benny, as I'm super happy. He got the ring. I'm very devastated for him when he dropped that touchdown pass. Cause they were ruthless to him on the internet. And like, I, uh, yeah. as, as an ND fan, man, like when a guy like Benny, who, as we talked about, similar to Ian Book, like he was never going to be the the Justin Jefferson prospect mm. of that draft. But you knew you were going to get a hard worker, and you knew you were going to get someone that could play special teams mm. and would come in and show up to work every day. And and honestly, my telltale sign that Benny will be with the Rams next year was he was included in the draft video. And if if you know a draft video I'm talking about, it was like a movie a movie uh, promo. And Benny was in it. I was like, ain't no way they're cutting this man if he's in this video right now. No shot. Uh, no. And, and oh, when he dropped, I think he had two drops in the Super Bowl. He had like a cross yeah. and then he dropped a touchdown. But like people were like blowing him up on Twitter. I'm tweeting back at them. I'm like, dude, he's, he's still really good. Like I'm, I'm like going off on Twitter yeah. about a game that like neither of my teams are in. Or, yeah. like, no, the Boston no, College no. game. The Boston College game. He was a dog. The Pittsburgh game. He was a dog. Hmm. Uh, yeah. I, nothing but great things to say about Benny and uh, a super nice guy. Like uh, it took the time to just come out, come out to the tailgate. Cause I, I'm going to go out and assume he is a Sox fan. Cause it was at a Sox game. Uh, okay. We're not going to, we're not going to talk about the Cubs because baseball season is already over as we're talking about football right now. Like what, yeah. what better time of the year, but yeah, Benny uh, expect better things from him this year. And I would say a few touchdowns, but um. Another guy too, like we're just kind of going all over the place. Mm-hmm. The best, the best possible fit out of any of the players that got drafted or picked up is Kyle Hamilton. Okay. Oh, I mean, and that draft class Baltimore had is so they get they're the best team at drafting in the NFL and have been for so many years for a very the vast majority of my lifetime. You get Linderbaum, who I think is was the best offensive line prospect in the draft. Yeah, because of how athlete, like there's videos of him pulling like Jason Kelsey. At the he was slipping because of his size, and it's like, dude, he's going to get bigger in the NFL. He, he's like, time. he's what, 6'3", 300 pounds, 6'2", 300 pounds. Yeah. Like, there's, there's no issue there. You get Hamilton, who I still maintain is the best or second best defender in that whole draft class. 
Yeah. And like then, you could have seen him go anywhere from one to where he went at, what was it, 14 or 16? 14. And then they also got Travis Jones, the UConn guy, who had an unreal senior bowl that really kind of blew up there. They got Fiele, the the 6'9", 400-pound tackle from Minnesota. Yeah. And they got uh, Isaiah Likely from and Charlie Kohler, two pretty good college tight ends. I have, P- I have PTSD now. from Isaiah Likely, man. Yeah. Kier Bowl is not a fun time with Isaiah Likely. And then, too, it's like you get to draft day and you know he's going to get picked. And, yeah. like, we did, we actually did a draft stream for the whole second day of the draft because the Bears did not have a pick on the first day. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you go back on the stream, you'll just see whenever, like, NIU or NB was featured on the wrong side of a highlight. Because, like, at NIU, it's different for me because, like, I just graduated from grad school. So, like, a lot of these – Guys are like my buddies, like my friends. Yeah. So like, I, I kept seeing the Isaiah Likely ones from the Curable, and I'm just like, I, I hate you. But the year before, I absolutely like adored the Coastal Carolina story because as an American, like, there's nothing that we love more as an underdog. And like, I just, you know, the mullets, the teal jerseys, the teal field. Um, you don't, like I said, you don't want to meet your heroes because I, I did not like the Coastal Carolina media members. Um, I did not like them once I met oh, really? them. As, but yeah, they were nasty at the game and uh, in the press conference after the game. And um, my other student reporter got sat in a different section than me. So I was like, it was weird. It was it, There were so many media members that we were actually down in the concourse for this game. And uh, it, you would have thought you were just sitting in, in the bleachers, man. Like it was just uh, – it's like, act like you've been there before. You, know, you don't need to be, yeah. let's go, and, like, we're in the frat house watching the, the game. You know what I'm saying? We are right. we are on assignment, on location. Yeah. And uh, I finally had enough when they said one of our players was faking an injury down the stretch, and I'm like, yeah. I started dropping F-bombs, and then – this was in Florida, by the way. So I had yeah. a Florida man encounter – after the last whistle, it was uh, a man in a Jacksonville Jaguars jersey that was clearly intoxicated. Was That's like, he was like talking shit to me, and I'm like, now obviously, like I'm an NIU fan, so it's a little bit different. Like I'm, I'm pissed right at this moment, and he's like screaming in my face, like you guys lost, da, da, da. and I'm just like, dude, you're not even supposed to be over here right now. Like, move yeah. around, please. Yeah, that that. I did get to go to the big house this year, which was dope. That was incredible. We got absolutely shellacked, but those are games that you, you go and you take the beating because they pay nice for those games. Yeah. That was like uh, UMass played uh, Notre Dame a few years ago. Uh, That Andy Isabella team that they had. And he's a beast, man. Isabella. They they had it like they were in the game for a little bit. And, you know, I, I being up here, we don't have really any good, like BC this year was pretty good. They're fun team to watch yeah. for years to come, but you don't really have like that dominant team. So you really root for just any uh, college football team that's from this area when they're playing in a big game. And I was so split in that. Cause I was like, Oh, I love Isabella. They're, yeah. they're in this game, but like Notre Dame should be beating the shit out of them right now. And it, it was good that they ended up like pull, staying on the gas and, yeah. you know, really beating them by 40 at the end of the game. But it was, that was a great game. So you said you play was it division three? So what are like some of the 
shoot some school names at me so I can get some familiarity. So, so I'm, I play at Mass Maritime. So our, our big opening game is – Oh, is that like – wait, is that a military school? So it, it's um, pseudo-military. So we're in okay. uniform. We do marching, stuff like that. You have to go through like an orientation style. Okay. Boot camp type of thing. Do y'all run the option though? Okay. It's not. Okay. That's where the pseudo comes in, right? (laughs) Yeah. I I would love like Springfield College. They're, they're like, um, like, I think I've heard that's away from me. They are like notorious for running the triple option. They run its perfection. So, like, I've gone to a few of their games um, when my buddies have played against them. And, like, watching that triple option, Merchant Marines, another one in New York, uh, Kings Point, they run the triple option, like, uh, to, to perfection. It's so fun to watch. But Yeah. Well, yeah that's so, what, you talked about the Navy games being tough. It'll always be tough because that's just the, 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 not the norm anymore. Yeah. But so, yeah, we, our, our opening game is uh, we play New York Maritime. That's the uh, chowder bowl for us. We play, we play them in that, and then we play our final game is against Bridgewater State. We play in the Cranberry Bowl. It used to be, like, sponsored by, I think, Ocean Spray because that whole stretch between our school and Bridgewater State, they call it, like, the Cranberry Highway. There's a ton of cranberry bogs off the highway, which is, like, a pretty cool thing to see when you're driving by. Had me so, a glass uh, of cran grape before we started, man. I love that stuff. Yeah, it, 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 it's pretty cool. You know, the, the week before, I'll go and uh, – I'll get a, uh, a big thing of the cranberry juice. I'll have it in my room. You know, I'll have a glass in the morning before uh, yeah. every practice. But uh, It's a very healthy drink, too, cranberry juice, yeah. Uh, that, that was a big thing. I started drinking, like, religiously this year. Like, that was with breakfast for me every morning down at the uh, dining yeah. hall. Like that you, was, get enough, you get enough water throughout your day, have you some juice for breakfast. It don't matter if it's orange juice, cranberry, well, apple it, juice, it, it hurts maybe some chocolate milk. Chocolate milk's the big one. It, but yeah. – it hurt this year, like on the juice machine, the apple juice was like broken. That oh, yeah. like that, that it was broken for about two or three months. So yeah. usually that's what I'm going with. And and I had to kind of revert to cranberry juice, which turned out to be a pretty good thing. I, I was kind of pumped about it. like I, I got excited about it uh once I started getting consistent with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, yeah I, division I think... three up here is like it, it, it's there's a lot more, and like I have friends that play that I play with that are from like Louisiana or Florida. And they say like D three is not non-existent down where they are up here in new England is every 20 minutes that you drive, you could find a different division three college up here. It's definitely different than any other part of the country. I'd say when it comes to small school football. Yeah. And I think too, like, well, that's where I was getting when I saw the Celtics banner, I was like, if you had to rank like passionate, sport fan bases a lot of those fan bases are in the northeast you think of you know the philadelphias you think of boston you think Mm -hmm. of new england which is basically just boston and like uh rhode island rhode island's a big patriots and Mm -hmm. and bruins state and uh like i think chicago's up there but i also think like like we're okay with being terrible like if you look at how how long the cubs were bad like and we were you know dubbed the lovable losers but now it's like like, I can't even pay attention to it, bro. Like, they just get pumped every day. Like, they haven't won a game in, like, two weeks. And this is the third streak of that, like, length mm-hmm. in the last calendar year, bro. Like, yeah. mind-blowing stuff. But I think, like, as far as my football teams go, man, I'll give you this. NIU is going to win the MAC this year, 100%. Uh, I, love, I love me some Tuesday, Wednesday night MAC. 
walk, walking by somebody in like the study lounge. They've got the like ESPNs on the TV. Exactly. And it's just a random Tuesday night. You're seeing Toledo play Western Michigan and you're Western Michigan. Yeah. It, it's the greatest. Like it's 50, the there's greatest. like 50 people there. Yeah. But honestly, they do numbers though on the broadcast because it's just like, there's so many people that are just like us where it's like, like uh, that time of the year specifically is actually the best time of the year for sports because you get, you get Monday night football, you get mm-hmm. action Tuesday, Wednesday, you get Thursday night football, Friday night. There's always some Sun Belt or some conference USA or something like that. AAC on. Maybe. Yeah. AAC. Yeah. Always AAC. It's usually like UCF at yeah. Memphis a lot of times on Fridays too. And then Saturday you have, <laughs> you have, a, you have appetizer, you have breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and then the fourth meal. And then Sunday you get, wire to wire NFL action. And then two at that time of the year, you got basketball going, you got hockey going, you got mm-hmm. baseball, you know, baseball is at the important time of the season where it's like the playoffs. It's a little bit, it's a little bit more ratcheted down. Like the games are a lot yeah. more tighter. You don't see all these big blowouts. And then you get back to Monday, you got Monday night football. So it's yeah. like that truly in my eyes is the best time of the year, but back to predictions. So, so NIU, I got them winning the Mac. Yeah. The bears. I mean, I wrote I wrote recently that I think the Bears will be one of, if not the worst team in the NFL, just off of how bad their offense is. Yeah. And I really like their defense. Like I like the defense is good. I like Robert Quinn, but he's just inconsistent. He'll either have like 15 sacks this year or two. Roquan yeah. Smith, I think, is one of the best, most underappreciated linebackers in the league. And yeah, they then, refuse to give that man his credit. It doesn't matter what outlet it is. Like, it's terrible. He, he's great. I mean, he puts up similar numbers to, like, some of the, the elite guys, like a Darius Leonard or a Fred Warner. Like, he is in that same yeah, realm. he's in that same category. And then they're, they're, the Bears' back end is very good, I think, with Eddie Jackson. Um, like I said before, Jalen Johnson's very good. I, I think – that they added two just, second uh, rounders too. They added uh Jaquan or Jaquan Brisker, oh, I think may have been a third rounder. I really, really am high on Jaquan Brisker. Mm-hmm. And then too, I, I like Kyler Gordon. And I think you know what you've said about Jalen Johnson too. Uh Jalen Johnson is a phenomenal corner. He's obviously got he's learning on the job. You know, you you have him at the number two spot the first year, you move him to the number one. There's obviously going to be a little bit of drop off, but, you know, similar to what I was just saying on my Bears podcast before we started, I think, you know, year two, uh, similar to what I think on the offense with like Fields and Mooney, and you saw it a lot down the stretch last season with Fields and Mooney. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people don't know this. Donald Mooney was a thousand yard receiver. Okay. For yeah, you it, to, it is crazy. For you to accomplish a thousand yards as a receiver in the Chicago Bears offense is a feat of its own. Okay. We've never had a 4,000 yard quarterback, probably never will, even with an extra game. That's just how the cookie crumbles. But I think, like, for the Bears, I'll say I'll set the ceiling at nine wins. That is the like, every single thing along the line has to go right. I think. They're going to hit their win total, which is six and a half. I think they'll get seven wins on the dot. Like, I think seven and ten is is probably right where they'll finish. You know, you play the Lions twice. The Lions are going to be a tougher opponent this year. But you also got the, the Texans, the Jets, and Giants. And the you Falcons, play, too. Yeah, you play the Falcons. You play the Commanders. You play the Dolphins. Nice. I, if there's anyone who is not sold on Tua more than Dolphins fans, it's me. I think Tua is terrible. And mm-hmm. I think that the Dolphins for the next 10 years, as Justin Herbert continues to light this league up, 
are going to be kicking themselves, especially, you know, a team with, with a, a legend quarterback in Dan Marino. Like you want to be able to get guys like Dan Marino. Uh, Justin Herbert is a lot more like Dan Marino than to attack of is. Yes. Yeah. Tyreek Hill ain't going to save him. He's going to have his numbers and he'll have, you know, good games and a lot of yak, a lot of yards after the catch, but Tyreek Hill cannot save the, the duck man. To attack a I just look at it even like not even Herbert, but if you put a guy like like Fields in that offense with the weapons they have, it would be very scary because they have Hill, they have Waddle, and they have a a very good tight end that can play uh, in the slot and even outside in Gasicki. So you've got three very talented and all pretty young uh, weapons. And now you're just going to kind of waste them away with a quarterback like Tua that's just not very good. Like, not a great yeah. – he's not mobile since his uh, his injury in college. He, he's been very limited running-wise. And that and was he, such a terrible – and that, that injury I reminds so me of the, of the Derrick Rose injury where it's just like, you guys beat the shit out of everyone every week. Like, you shouldn't have even been in the game. I know. It, that, that was a tough one because, like, Tua is a likable guy. It's, 100%. it's now that the Dolphins fans are making him an unlikable guy. They've alienated they're him. They're yeah. trying to sell you and tell you that he's good, that you're like, well, he's not. And that all, that puts so much hate onto him when he when he's done nothing. Like he's done yeah, nothing. Yeah, like you'll never get that from me. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll throw the occasional tweet out like every now and then, but it's like if that athlete's fine in my tweet they should probably get back in the gym. Like that's the exact reason why that tweets out there. And if you found it and interacted with it, which I haven't had my most recent one that I can think of was like, please send Marcus Stroman back to New York. Like I don't want him on my team anymore. He's a prolific blocker. I'm pretty sure. Like he is a, a Twitter warrior. Oh yeah. No, I know he is. I, you know what? I haven't seen his post in a while. You might be blocked. I know he blocked out. Uh, are you a Barstool fan? Yeah, I, I like Barstool. I like uh, certain podcasts. That I actually listen to um, – the one that I listen to the most, I would say, is probably KFC, but that's just like – that's not even sports. That's just right. like life and life and bullshit, which is like sometimes you just want to listen to like a comedy podcast every mm-hmm. now and then. But uh, Frank the Tank from Barstool, he's a, a, a Mets fan, but almost like a Mets hater level. Are you blocked? I'm good. I'm in the, oh, you're I'm not. In the I'm surprised. It, it couldn't have been that bad of a tweet yeah. if, it, if he didn't block me. But but he he blocked Frank and then like went on a massive blocking spree of people like tweeting at Stroman, just like hey, unblock Frank, and yeah. pretty much just would block those people. I'm like, this is psychotic. So I was blocked for about a year by Rico Bosco. If that counts. I got unblocked. I, I recently got unblocked. Oh, did you? So you were also on the block list. Yeah. All I did was uh, my cousin tweeted at him like after he lost a bet and I liked my cousin's tweet and then like I was blocked. But then like if you remember Big Cat said a few weeks ago or a couple months ago, they like was going through and unblocking people. So I'm like, okay, I made it through the the, uh, fire. Yeah. But Rico Bosco is like if you so like I'm a little bit older than you. I got into Barstool with uh it was it's a long time ago, but it was Donnie does it. He used to do these videos oh. over in, in Asia. 
the wonton like the sh- yeah the wonton down with like the shanghai sharks and stuff and then like my introduction to like big cat and them was uh was the draft when the draft was in chicago mm-hmm. and then i you know i've interviewed chief uh our company has had like a a pretty good relationship just with the barstool like chicago guys because mm-hmm. there's a lot of crossover with like the Sox and the cubs uh Chief's a super nice guy. We had him on on Irish on tap. He was on for like an hour. Really, uh, really good episode. It was about two years ago now, I think. And then uh, other than that, though, like on tap as a brand is is what I've been repping for the last three years. And it's been, you know, at first it was kind of unclear what we were after and what we were going to be doing. But it started with Bears. And, uh, you know, just like yourself, man, I've been a Notre Dame fan my whole life. I, yeah. I this year I did the show by myself too. I just had a, you know, one man show, uh, not really too many interviews, if, if any at all, outside of, uh, Kevin Austin in the postseason, you know, after okay. the season. But, um, dude, I just love talking football. I love consuming football. I love playing Madden. I love playing NCAA football. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got a couple friends that play in the USFL. I've really been enjoying that. Mm-hmm. Uh, XFL, AAF, all the all the mini leagues that have made their way, you know, these last few years. Like I've always, you know, watched because at the end of the day, like you said, it's you like baseball and you like basketball and you like hockey. And I I've, yeah. I got into soccer a lot uh, during like COVID, just because yeah. it was like one of the first sports that came back. And then I played a lot of FIFA like growing up, so I like I, I had like FIFA fourteen on the Wii. Yeah, had like one of the all time great. Oh, yeah, it was like the I played Madden on the Wii. I became like very good because it's all I had. You're like like sitting in your family room throwing passes and stuff. Yeah, Yeah. then I I finally got the Xbox and uh, Xbox 360 and graduated to uh, playing zombies on uh, Black Ops 2. Yeah, so I've been playing a lot of Call of Duty. Because, uh, like, I'm lame, dude. I'm, I am I go to work, which I work for a minor league baseball team right now. I work for the Kane County Cougars. I also wait tables still, which is something that I'm looking to hopefully hang up here soon. But mm-hmm. until I really get that first, like, real opportunity, whether it be in sports business or sports media, like, I'm comfortable with, with what I'm doing with On Tap, where it's like at NIU, uh, I have a live show weekly. Uh, with players that are signed through NIL sponsored deals with the bar. So it's like, you know, they help us out. We help them out. And Notre Dame has always been like my me, my me project, my fun project where it's like, we're Chicago. So it's like, I had to do a little arm twisting, but you know, just as well as anybody else, one of the biggest hubs for Notre Dame fans is Chicago. Cause it's a two, it's a two and a half, three hour drive. And you know, we do a lot of recruiting in yeah. Notre Dame does do a lot of recruiting in Illinois and um, recruiting is, is what I think is one thing that we haven't touched enough on yet, but CJ Carman, I mean, yeah, like I, I, I haven't, I haven't been that happy about a recruit in a very long time. And you got to remember, we just got Tyler Buckner two years ago and I was probably just as through the roof as I was about getting CJ Carr about Buckner a few years back. I'm, I'd say I'm more excited about the CJ Carr. Like, I'm excited to get him as a player, but I am more excited to have kind of swept him, like, right out from underneath. That's all it is, man. Like, that a, is, we're already 1-0, and, and we haven't even strapped up for week one. That like, is, that is what college football is all about, is the pettiness. And it's like, 
it's like, okay, so here's one for you. So, so Harbaugh interviewed with your team, with the Vikings this year. And like, and it looked very good. Like he was going to, I thought he was going to take the job. There was a time in, in very early in the off season where my buddy was, was doing the grassroots campaign to try and get him to the bears. And I was like, I don't want this. I I think he's a great college football coach, but I, I don't know if he could come back and do what he does in the NFL. And uh, he's in a great spot in Michigan. Michigan is uh, probably going to be right up there to compete for the big 10 championship again this year. And what's the name? I don't even know what your guys' head coach is. It's another first year guy, right? It's uh, the Rams OC. O'Connell, Kevin O'Connell, right? Yeah. Okay. I do know that. Okay. Now it rings the bell. Yeah. I mean, with the, with the, the Michigan thing, man, like we have a long illustrious career or history with, with just battling with Michigan. If you have time, there's an ESPN 150 special that uh, it documents like Notre Dame, like long before we were even a thought, like back in the twenties, right back in the twenties and thirties. And Notre Dame used to schedule in the same way a circus did, right? It's crazy. Think about it like this. But they were like the first real touring football team. A lot of early football was was more regional, and you played the teams that were closer to you just because it was easier to do that. You know, the Ohio State plays Minnesota, and they play Wisconsin and Indiana and Illinois. Michigan did not want us in the Big Ten. And, like, if someone tells you this is not true, they're a liar. I'm not saying ESPN has never lied, but I highly doubt they come out with this huge, you know, hour-and-a-half-long documentary documenting the fact that Michigan was ducking the smoke. And that's another thing that I really, really, really like about Marcus Freeman. And I know he didn't make the schedule, but that's a man that is not ducking any smoke. And, you know, you look at the schedule – We'll go. I gave my Bears and my NIU. I'll leave the best for last. But I think, like, fuck, man. I, I'm a terrible person. I come on my podcast every week and say we're going to win every game. And that's just not the case. But you know, that's what you're going to get when you tune into one of my podcasts. So that's on you. But mm-hmm. you get past Ohio State Beat and you're running the table. You're running the table if you get past Ohio State. As long as they're able to avoid that that one let-up game that we always have, I think, think that'll be this year. Yeah, looking at the schedule right now, I really think uh, – I, I, I wouldn't consider BYU a let-up game. No, I would say mm-hmm. Stanford or even uh, – I'm say going Stanford. Boston College. I'm going Boston College. Yeah, that's tough too because, like, end of the year – this will be about the time you're going to kind of know who's going to be the eight teams or six teams that will be in the mix for the playoffs. Yeah, they're going to be in the so, conversation. And BC playing spoiler is a very scary thing. Well, playing then, too, and, and then, too, I'm a big narrative guy. I mm-hmm. met – I met – okay, so I actually – another person that I met, I, I told you I didn't meet anyone, but I've been meeting people. I yeah. met Phil Dracovic after, uh, ironically, the Boston College game a few years back. And – I mean, this is a kid that came here, highly touted, highly recruited kid, super talented, fits the mold, seemed like a Notre Dame guy through and through. And, uh, you know, I met him with my old co-host, Ethan, who now works at a, a news station here in Rockford. 
and uh, we're walking back to our cars to our car and it's like it's me my co-host my girlfriend at the time and uh yeah i was gonna say my girlfriend at the time you know rest in peace she's not that just a bitch but (laughs) (laughs) but uh and my mom who was also there and that was her first time at notre dame and i was you know you that's another thing too you got to take your people you got to take your family to notre dame and then they'll have a different thought about notre dame but we're walking back to the car and you just see I think he wore 15 when he was here, whatever number he wore, you saw a number on a backpack and I'm sure you're just like, like me and my, my, it was my roommate at the time too, just like us where, you know, literally everyone and every single number on the roster. And my, my buddy goes, dude, it's Phil. And uh, he's like, he's like, Phil, do you think we can get a picture? And like, after, you know, you take a picture and then you look back at it and they always say a picture says a thousand words, right? He just didn't look happy. And, like, at the end of the day, like, in college football, if a player is not happy, like I said, the player is the program. There are 120-plus D1 schools and then about 100 more D2 and then 100 100 D3 NIAA JUCO. There is somewhere for that guy to go and get the best out of his college experience. And if if it wasn't meant to be at Notre Dame, you can't knock him for it. And, you know, when you look at – you brought up Brandon Joseph. That's insane that I didn't think about that too, because my name is Brandon Joseph Suarez. So he literally, if you just oh, wow. throw like a, in a pot or one of the hyphens there, he could basically just be me, but, or I could be him because he probably has a way more desirable life than I do. <laughs> but, but uh, you look at the way they, they bring in the, the upper class graduate transfers or, or just transfers in general. Ben Skoranek played a huge part in that, in that team to get us where we needed to be that year. You look yeah. at Jack, Jack Cohn last year, Jack Cohn, similar type role where we, we needed a lot from Jack Cohn. And he gave us just about damn near every single thing that he had. Yeah. And you lose one game all year and you lose the bowl game. And, you know, I think f- from the team that we had last year, considering how much we lost the year before, to even be in the conversation for the college football playoff, exceeded expectations yeah it was crazy when i when i was doing my preseason stuff and everything for last year i was like i think i said 10 and 2 or 9 and 3 and to be in it all the way into conference conference championship saturday and not not like like they were in it deep into conference championship saturday like like houston houston was in it at the half they got Mm -hmm. blown out in the second half you needed i think it was we needed houston to win we needed Oklahoma State to lose, and that happened. Yeah. And we also needed Alabama to lose just to eliminate them entirely because then they would have lost to Georgia twice. So, right. or wait. No, no, once. They would have lost once, them once. But they, who, who else did they lose to? They lost to someone. Uh, A&M. Right A&M. A&M. Oh, my God. I remember that night like it was yesterday. What a great game. Like, and that game is going to be lit this year. A national holiday. Them losing is so fun to watch. Yeah, and it's like it's like people hate Notre Dame, right? I hate Bama. There is not many schools that I hate more. I would say if I had to name three schools that I just absolutely I say, how would hate. how would you power rank? You're like all right, you're, so you're three your three hatreds of uh, colleges. Three number one is is by far above Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, number two is. I'm going to say 
it's it's pretty close between these two shitbox max schools but it's uh it's gonna have to be toledo toledo every year every year everyone just thinks toledo is like god's gift to the mac and like dude they've never won anything okay like niu is 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 the standard in the mac if you look at you know the jordan lynch years you look at the, the chandler harness years you look at all these different years and then now we are entering that next era of niu greatness with with coach hammock and what and we got rocky lombardi over here for another year it's going to be a great year for the huskies third this is where it gets difficult for me i don't know who do i hate the third most oh this one's easy coastal carolina I said it earlier. <laughs> I really like them. I actually yeah. had them as my number three team that I liked going into last season. And so would I, I enjoyed uh, Would yours be more of like Alabama, like Toledo, and then like Coastal Carolina media members? And then like on your like list, Coastal Carolina, like team no, number three? No, no, no. Everyone goes down with the ship. Everyone you, you goes. Jamie, Jamie Chadwell, Grayson McCall. Both the mullet boys that play linebacker, everyone, yeah. all of them, Isaiah likely. Yeah, not so likely anymore, my friend. When that game came around, I gra- actually grabbed one of the uh, the mullets versus Mormon shirt. Oh, yeah. I, I, like, I, ha- like, I have that. The BYU and I have game, yeah. Convicts one. Not, the, not one of the originals, but, like, I found a website that sold those, and I grabbed both of those, like, same time. Yeah. So, yeah, like, yeah. Re- wearing that one around, it when people look at it, too, I think they think uh, mullets versus mor- morons. Morons, um, which yeah. is great too. Like they have to do the double take on the shirt. So, uh, which you know it, that rivalry pretty much coming together in one week was. Oh yeah. The best well, dude, that was a, that was a call in game. That's the first time we've ever seen that. It was just like, yeah. yo, do you want to play a game this weekend? Sure, why not? And they, they lost. Football esque. Yeah. Like uh, um, hey, I, have, I have an open game on the schedule. Oh, you have an open or an open week on the schedule. Let's play each other. I will say now, and I don't know how it escapes me because I have our schedule up on my screen. Yeah, but the but the easy number three answer without recency bias is Ohio State. Yeah, they killed I, us in the Fiesta Bowl when I was a kid. That was like one of my first big like Notre Dame heartbreaks was that Fiesta Bowl, the Troy Smith team, and then like as I you know started young adulthood and and I was probably the biggest Jalen Smith fan like you could imagine. Like I love Manti Teo, but everything that I I felt as a fan for Manti Teo, I, I wanted to see Jalen Smith do tenfold. And then when when he got hurt in that bowl game, it was like honestly one of the most heartbreaking moments as oh, like a sports fan for me. Because you're like, was, yeah. And two, now it's like nobody even plays those games anymore. So it's like, it's brutal. Um, I don't know. I, I do absolutely hate Ohio State though. And I'm pretty sure Kent State is in Ohio. And I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure – Toledo is in Ohio. Yeah. So you can just go ahead and say that state, I absolutely the hate the, the state of Ohio as well. Yeah. yeah. LeBron James. Nah. Do you I've grown have, to respect him, but do you have certain players like that? Um you will die on a hill defending. Because like Manti Teo is that player for me. Because every time like I talk college football and I get very heated of defending Notre Dame, the Manti Teo having a fake girlfriend comes up and I become um, like a tremendous yeah. lawyer. I'm like, he didn't know that this, you know, he got duped. This wasn't his fault. It was a different time in technology, man. It was different back then. And like, I mean, yeah, I don't want to throw a diss at like 
because Notre Dame does have some good looking girls as every school does. But the thing that, that the, the stereotype that they were saying around that time was like, there must not be any good looking girls at Notre Dame. And I'm like, I don't know, man, you're the captain of Notre Dame. You're a Heisman uh, finalist. He yeah. went to New York. It just didn't bode well for him at the time. I don't know, man, but he ended up, I mean, he played for the Saints for a while. He came to the Bears for a while. Like and that's after the Chargers, I think. Chargers, yeah. And I think now. like I think, you know, that's a guy that got everything he could have out of the game. He like I said, he was a great college linebacker. He he never never really was like predicted that he was gonna be great in the NFL. But I think he'll, he'll go he got down the most one out of it. Most exciting players of the last decade i think in, in college football well you just think about you think about that goal line stand man that goal line stand hmm. against stanford you know his helmet popped off he's you know he's just going nuts at the like four yard line uh yeah that that team uh was one of my favorite teams to watch for notre dame but yeah uh athletes that i will die on a hill to defend sammy sosa Okay. Every day of the week and twice on Sundays, the Chicago Cubs don't even claim him. Uh, it's a terrible situation. He should have he should have a uh, flag hanging in left field and should be celebrated every given opportunity. Um, for basketball, Kobe. Kobe basketball was like my – For me, I got to go Kemba. Like, Kemba Walker. Well, he had that one game in the garden. You can never forget about the Kemba in the garden. I wanted to cry watching him like not be good with the Celtics was so, so brutal. Yeah. And then uh, I would say, so yeah, basketball, Kobe, football, Isaac Bruce. Um, Isaac Bruce is the top five receiver of all time. Argue with your mama about it. If you look at the stats and you look at his full body of work, he was never even actually the number one receiver on his team. Okay. Maybe he was before Torrey Holt showed up. But once Torrey Holt showed up, he was the number two receiver on the Rams. Now, granted, you had Kurt Warner and Mark Bolger slinging the rock, and you were in a very receiver-friendly offense. I just like Isaac Bruce's career. Uh, he played the position the right way. He acted like he had been there before. He wasn't like a cocky receiver, although I do like the the Justin Jefferson antics. You know, the, the boomers and the, the old people don't like that stuff as much, but – Isaac Bruce is someone that I will die on a hill to defend in the NFL. College? Hmm. College, I would have to say... I would have to say it is... I think I got to go Ian Book, man. I don't know why, but, like, I don't know. At week in and week out, everyone told me how bad he was in week in and week out like we won just always like there was a calming presence about having Ian Book at quarterback and it it wasn't that he was the best player on the field or that he was the fastest player on the field or even the best quarterback on the field like sometimes he wasn't even the best quarterback on the field Mm -hmm. but he always always made big plays and big games. He was good on his legs. You, you look at, you know, he was getting snot rocketed against Clemson. He was getting absolutely smoked. And then he goes and fumbles the ball through the back of the end zone. Dude, my heart dropped in my stomach because I'm like, here is his white whale. Here is his Super Bowl. Here is that first big statement win against a team. Not a team, you know, because we, we play so many teams that are 
on paper, we should beat them. Mm-hmm. But when you play the game against a team where you're like the touchdown or two touchdown underdog, those are the games that you get that are statement. They're the ESPN instant classic games that, that people remember you for. And just the grit that he showed in his career at Notre Dame is something that I'll always respect. And he probably won't ever, you know, amount to what he was in college in the NFL. And it was very, very rough seeing him go through what the Saints put him through in his first career start. That was terrible. But I would, I would say it's Ian book uh, for college football. And then hockey, I'm not really a huge hockey fan. Um, I wouldn't have like a, a guy that I would say yeah. that I defend and then soccer. I'm not like a fan of a specific team. I just like to, uh, to bet on it and watch the games. I don't know. <laughs> Go, going back a little bit, I said Manti Teo would probably be, I'd say one of the most entertaining players of, uh, of the past decade or all time to watch in college. Uh, I, I'd say an uh, NIU alum, uh, Jordan Lynch would also be in that category. I mean that. Oh yeah. How, He's like, a legend, man. It was Watching him play was so electric, and he he really has left like a, a mark on the game of football. Just as a guy that you bring up with your buddies, naming random players, yeah, uh, when, when you're hanging out or just going over old college football highlights, he always pops up. He's in for me like that that Pat White, uh, Tavon Austin. Oh yeah, Steve Slayton. Steve Slayton. Yeah, like he is in that same realm because it's a team that kind of gets forgotten about. And and a guy that you really won't remember unless you're a diehard college football fan. Yeah, and I was going to say, too, like, as someone who, like, I wasn't a huge, I, you know, if to take you through my fanhood, I, I didn't really become an NIU fan until I started going to school here, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, Jordan Lynch put them on the map, if you think about it. Like, NIU's always been there, but they – they didn't really have that like statement year yeah. until the Jordan Lynch year when they, when they go to the orange bowl and, and it's been about, uh, I want to say 10 or 11 years since, and they've won a couple Mac championships uh, since then. The bowl games are usually pretty tough on us. They were really close this year. They got kind of screwed by the refs, but you never want to leave the game in the hands of the referees. But right. I think uh, if I had like a hot take, right. For college football this year and, there's an immense amount of bias in this statement, but NIU will be ranked in the top 25 at, at some point this season. And it's not going to just be a one week thing. Like they'll, they'll have a ranking and they'll hold it. I think with the returning amount of players, like they had like 77 freshmen last year, bro. And they won the conference. Mm -hmm. It's like, and they bring your quarterback back. You you keep all the same coaches with the exception of the receivers coach, Tony Sorrentino, who's over there with the Vikings now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I just think it's right now at NIU, it's, it's a really good time to be a Husky. It's, it's a good time to be a fighting Irish fan and contrary to popular belief, it is a good time to be a Bears fan because it can't get any worse than it just was. <laughs> now, but, uh, Brent, I appreciate you coming on before uh, I, I let you go. Um, can, can you kind of take me through, um, your day, as a college football fan and as a day of covering college sports. So kind of yeah. the, the comparison, like if when you were a, a, an actual, you're still a fan, but when you were just watching the game as a fan versus when you're covering it, how, how are the approaches different? Take me from like wake up to game time. Uh, a lot less beer to start mm-hmm. out with. 
but yep. uh so on a game day so similar to, so i have a similar problem that you have so i'm not playing in a game but i'm covering a game yep. almost around the same time usually at least during the first half of the season that notre dame plays so it's mm-hmm. kind of tough to do both but uh i usually wake up early as I'm a very weird person, but I wake up probably around like seven, eight o'clock, eat some breakfast, watch some, some EPL, the English premier league. And then after like the, the first round of games is over and college game day is on, then I get college game day on. Uh, sometimes I'll watch the Fox one too. The Fox one's a pretty good one. And then uh, I usually am free that like first, uh, would you say the first slot, right? Like the 11 a.m. slot. Yeah. So I'm usually free till about halftime to watch freely. Like, you know, I'll set two, three TVs up in my family room and a laptop and just get different screens going with different games. Uh, last year on tap partnered with a, it was like, not like a picks service, but like, like a place that you could post your like betting picks for okay. uh, college football. So a lot of mornings too, I would spend time like looking at lines and looking at stuff like that. And then about maybe around noon, one o'clock, I'd get there, say for like a two o'clock kickoff at NIU or a one o'clock kickoff. I get there about noon, um, start getting like templates and stuff for like score graphics and, and stuff like that ready. Um, and then too, like once I get up to the booth, like there's a TV up there. So I'm usually watching whatever game's going on. And then like, especially if Notre Dame's going, I'll have Notre Dame on in the booth while I'm up there. Mm-hmm. Um, but then if I'm like, if, so yeah, this is all, this is, uh, my busy, busy weeks. Like when NIU is at home on a Saturday and Notre Dame also plays on that Saturday. And, uh, I'll usually get through the NIU game and I'll either, I'll either get like half the ND game, like first half or the second half. Right. And then I'll obviously be following most of it as it's going on, like, uh, in the booth on like the ESPN app and stuff like that. And then similar to you, I go back and watch it after the fact for like when I do the podcast and stuff, mm-hmm. but games, usually three, three and a half hours. I go straight to the press conference after usually takes me till about the third quarter to come up with like all my questions that I'm going to ask afterwards. Cause it's usually players and coaches. So uh, I've developed a pretty good rapport with the players and coaches and I always refer to it as I haven't really stepped on anyone's toes yet. So I just kind of stay out of everyone's way, grind hard and do my thing. Cause it's like a podcast is, is a newer form of media and the athletic department wasn't as like open arms as if I was like NBC, you know? So yeah. it was like, I kind of had to prove myself in order to get the respect, but like I, you know, I went to Mac media day. I went to the big house this year. I went to Florida for the bowl game uh i went to michigan again for the mac championship but after the game is that's when the work starts that's when the fun really starts is right you you get home uh you know for me on a saturday i would record both niu and notre dame uh just get them out of the way right away like i usually eat something extremely unhealthy during the midweek matching games it's always like a big mac and a 10 piece like just something okay. absolutely disgusting as a human being but it's like when the matching games end it's it's late so a little less deplorable as far as a big mac and uh you know 10 piece but it's usually like some chipotle or like panda mm-hmm. or some some quick that i can just like if i have to write an article i can do that while i'm eating and then 
I do the podcasts and then I edit all of my own podcasts too. And I'm like really OCD about it. So it takes me kind of some time, but after that, I, I can, I can crack open a couple beers and, and throw on usually what by that time is, is the, the marquee game of the day, you know, usually that ABC game. And then you have a couple side games going on. So I'll still keep uh, two, three TVs going and then, creature of habit, start looking at lines and stuff for the NFL and getting ready with my fantasy team and all the stuff that I got to do for the next day. Yeah. Locking in my lineup for fantasy and stuff like that, and then get ready to do it all over again on Sunday. And then it's like, by the time you get to Sunday night football, uh, a lot of it, well, all of this was while I was in school, but I was, you know, the beautiful part about college is you create your own schedule. So I never had any Monday classes, Nice. But, you know, that homework and those projects and, you know, maybe I should get to the gym in the morning starts creeping up on you, the Sunday scaries, and then you're right back at it for another week and you get ready for the next opponent. You start previewing that and I'll do a preview episode and a post-game episode. Uh, well, Notre Dame, I didn't do two episodes a week because it was it was by myself. And I, as much as my lovely uh, listeners love to hear me talk about Notre Dame, I think it was a lot for me last year because um, yeah. I had the live show too. So I would, you know, just to go through a typical week, it would be Tuesday live shows, right? Uh, Wednesday preview shows and then Saturday post-game shows. But then you also throw into effect, like I do the Bears show and that's twice, sometimes three times a week. So it's like during football season, even though I don't make the big bucks for it, you know, I just make what I get for live shows and, uh, it's pay per view for articles. So whenever you see an article, if you could throw me a retweet, that'd be, that'd be dope. But um, it's been like some of the most fun and rewarding experience. And I don't know how long you are into doing your podcast. I know you said you write a little bit too. And it's like, at the end of the day, man, you're only setting yourself up for a better future, regardless of, of what, you know, maybe you don't want to be a sports reporter or a broadcaster, but like employers will always see that initiative of you, starting your own show and interviewing people and, and talking about what you like. And it's, uh, it's rewarding and it's fun. And at the end of the day, like, I don't think you would have found, we would, you know, we wouldn't be having this conversation, you know, if it wasn't for podcasting. Right. So right. relationships like that and stuff like that, I'm always thankful for. And like I said, at the top of the show, man, like you said a half hour, I'm not good. I'm not good with math. I'm not good with math, but it's definitely, it's definitely been a lot longer than that. And like when you have good conversation, yeah, it just happens like that. I, I usually tell whenever people come on, I say like a half hour more for, for them to be like, Oh no, I have more time or I have a strict limit. Oh, it's my then, day off today. Yeah. I told I'll, you when, I, when we scheduled, I was like, I'm gonna do it on my day off. If no one says anything, I'll usually, it, it will, we'll try to just blow through you to try to get an hour. Like, uh, one of the, the first big guests I had on was actually a, a Chicago guy. Uh, one of the Notre Dame greats, Chris Zorich, came on. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I, I talked to him. I mean, he was great. He gave me an hour of his time. And, you know, just talking about, like, old Notre Dame. Like, that was the guy that my dad said got him into Notre Dame football. So being yeah. able to talk to him was, like, just absolutely awesome. But, yeah, I've had, like, one or two people be like, yeah, I've only got 30 minutes, and you still go a little bit past that. But if there's – no real time restriction. I'll try to keep people on for as long as I can. Yeah. Yeah. Not to make, I don't know if you have a video portion of your podcast, but not to make my head any bigger than it actually is, but yeah. uh, like being out at bowl games and like when I went to Florida, people are like coming up to me and like recognizing me and like, mm-hmm. honestly, like 
as someone who like grew up, you know, and turned ESPN and Sports Center on instead of Tom and Jerry or Dexter's yeah. Lab, like from the age of five, five on, uh, it, it means the world to me. And like, yeah, like I'm not, I don't have a hundred thousand followers or even a hundred thousand dollars. One of one or both of those would be nice, right? Yeah. But and a hundred thousand dollars ain't even that much. But I just graduated, so give me some time to be great, okay, people. <laughs> but uh like I just think like with ONTAP Sportsnet, with what we've been able to do, uh, we've been around for about three years now, and a lot of that was during COVID. Mm-hmm. Um it's like a brotherhood, man. Like, you know, we get together and we'll hang out and we'll do tailgates and, and we'll do watch parties and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if I could go back and do it all over again, I definitely would. I wish for a lot more wins along the way for like my bears and stuff, but like, dude, you'll, so. you'll find that people love your chaos a lot more when, than when you're happy. So like when your teams are losing those, those listens go up a little bit more because they want to hear your head explode. And yeah. uh, that's why the bears podcast is the number one listened to podcast on our network, because it's just chaos. All it's 12 months of chaos. And I am the leader of the chaos ring. When, when your team's good, it makes you content. It, uh, yeah. It, 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 you, it's you a know, lot of fun though. I like, yeah. I had so much fun. Um, one with the Notre Dame uh, CFP year and like doing mm-hmm. a podcast that year. And I wasn't even like, I wasn't talking to like Brian Kelly and stuff. Like I think yeah. uh, we interviewed Tariq Bracey during that season and uh, some former players, none of the current players. And then like last year, man, like I was down on the field with the players, like, like as they were celebrating winning and like, that was just like, as someone who was there when they were 0 and 6 and saw them losing all those games, like that was one of the coolest, most rewarding. And then, too, like um, another person in college football that I will defend until the end of the earth is yes. NIU's head coach, Thomas Hammock. Okay. So you talk about a guy that, that has given me the time of day on more than one occasion for, for up to an hour. The first time I interviewed him, I interviewed him for an hour and a half. And I got not like a lot of trouble, but they're just like, yeah, no, not, not that long ever again. Yeah, I'm like, never, I, never again. Yeah. I'm like, I'm sorry. I didn't know. No one gave me instructions to like, yeah. even, uh, even if I'm like messing up or like doing something that doing something that's like, if I'm doing something that I'm not supposed to be doing is like, mm-hmm. he'll give me like that constructive criticism and, and he'll let me know, like, like change this around or do that. And, and it's, uh, it's been really cool to see the success of that program. And then to like, just to, uh, to be, to feel like a part of it. Right. Cause you're, yeah. you're always in the press conferences. You're always asking questions. You're the, in essence, the news people are coming to you to find out about injuries. And I don't really, I don't really do too much injury uh, stuff. And, and that's, I don't know. I just don't like putting out those type of articles and being that yeah. guy about it. Like, I, I hate that guy. If there's ever like controversy pieces, I hate touching on it in a written form. Uh, I'll do it on the podcast where you can, you know, you can hear the emotion in my voice and you can clearly see where I stand, not just yeah, reading. Or, uh, Byron, yeah, Byron. Tough. You can't, it's tough to kind of get your, yeah, it's uh, like texting, bro. It's like texting. It's terrible. Yeah. Byron Pringle drove his car in donuts. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. it is what it is. But yeah, uh, Hammock probably like my favorite just like sports guy in general for college football right now but uh 
I'm blessed. Both of my programs that I root for are under extremely great leadership right now. And the future looks very bright. And when it comes to the bears, uh, just like you with the Vikings, man, I, I'm, I'm optimistic. I am also realistic and I do realize yeah. we probably won't be a playoff team this year, but I'm cool with us winning seven games and getting 3000 yards out of Justin Fields and another thousand yards out of Montgomery and Mooney and, and seeing the defense continue to take that next step. So we'll see what happens, but yeah, I, uh, I'm in a, a better spot than I was with the bears last year. And then I would say you just resume the status quo. Like you, as a Notre Dame fan, you always expect to win more games than you lose and you expect to be around that 10 win mark. And then as an NIU fan, as cocky as it sounds, you always expect to be in the conversation to win the Mac. So I have all three of those things right there for the taking. Uh, I wish I could strap my helmet and my shoulder pads on and, and, and play another down, but those days are long behind me and I'll just have to be on the couch or in the box this year and we'll see how it goes. It's not too bad. Brandon, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, After you listen to this episode, make sure you go listen to uh, it's bears on tap, Irish on tap and Huskies on tap. Yes. Uh, Make sure you go give those a listen, um, especially during football season two. uh, keeping up with Notre Dame. If you're a big Notre Dame fan, the bears and NIU, if you want some, uh, some inside information on the Mac, yeah, an underrepresented, a lot of player, a lot of player interviews too, coach interviews. And then we'll have the live show too. So that's almost even like just how we did it, where it's just like, we're just shooting the shit for like an hour and a half. (laughs) Nice. Nice. But uh, thank you for listening to this episode of the My Parents Office podcast. Make sure you're following us on social media at My Parents Office on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and uh, TikTok. My Parents Office podcast on Facebook and articles from the office on Substack. Uh, stay tuned for more episodes. We'll be dropping this week. Thanks, guys. Singing around you, thinking like gold and diamond rings and noise and finding things. And you will find as hell why lie. Stuck on you for years before I knew how to drive. By the time I learned, you would already dip with some Hollywood fella in the